MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. Today, the Minneapolis police officer that shot Dante Wright during a traffic stop Sunday apparently meant to tase him. More than 100 corporate executives hold a call to halt donations and investments in those associated with voter suppression. Iran calls a blackout at an Iranian nuclear atomic site nuclear terrorism. Connecticut looks to expand voting rights. The White House targets McConnell and McCarthy in their efforts to sell Biden's infrastructure plan. The former guy calls McConnell a dumb son of a bitch. Will Smith will move the production of the Emancipation movie out of Georgia. Biden taps the chief of police in Tucson to run Customs and Border Protection. And a series of White Lives Matter rallies fails embarrassingly. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Womp womp on the White Lives Matter rallies. (laughs) I'm going to talk about this later in the show, but holy majoli. You might as well just have a straight pride parade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I, I Thank you to all of the Beans <laughs> listeners that dropped a little bit of money in my Venmo, Venmo and labeled it tuition because that was fantastic. So thank you. <laughs> um, you just, it's, I really appreciate you all very, very much. So thank you for the support through such a hard time, but also just the sweet birthday wishes. I appreciate it. That is awesome. Yeah, because that's what, just so everybody knows, in case you missed the show, uh, Matt Gates Venmoed Greenberg, who Venmoed women, and labeled them publicly payments for tuition, but it was for sex. So that's awesome that you got a bunch of them labeled tuition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, wonderful. Uh, and um, stereo shows resume today at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, with uh, Andrew Torres and me. And then Thursday, uh, Dana and. Dana and I, <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> you and me, baby. Us. We'll, we'll, we'll be doing stereo again Thursday. <laughs> we We're back. We shall be doing stereo Thursday. And both Tuesday and Thursday shows are 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. You can uh, set up a little free account on stereo. It's super fun. Just go to stereo.com slash Allison Gill. And then also thanks to our patrons. We had a bunch of people donate one-year memberships to people who can't afford it. Uh, it's 36 bucks for the year. You could do that on the front page at dailybeanspod.com. So thank you for everyone who's donating those. And if you want to sign up to get a donated um, one-year subscription, you can do that at the same place, dailybeanspod.com. So thank you for all of that. All right. We do have a lot of news to get to. Uh, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The lead story. Today, as the police shot and killed a black man on Sunday during a stop for a traffic violation, sparking protests and unrest in a suburb just miles away from where George Floyd was murdered during an arrest in Minneapolis last May. The man killed by police was identified by relatives in Minnesota Governor Tim Walz as Dante Wright. He's 20 years old. The suburban Minneapolis police officer who fatally shot the 20-year-old unarmed black man apparently meant to fire a taser, but instead made an accidental discharge from her gun. That's according to the police chief. Less than 24 hours after an officer with the Brooklyn Center Police Department shot and killed Dante Wright, police chief Tim Gannon played an unedited clip 
of police body camera video showing the fatal incident for the media and members of the community at a city hall news conference. That's the fastest I've seen body worn camera or or footage released. Uh, in in a case like this, um, the video shows two male officers approach Wright's car, one on the driver's side, the other on the passenger side. A third female officer approaches later as the two attempt to handcuff Wright, who is now standing outside the vehicle. As Wright struggles away from the two men, the third officer is heard threatening uh, to tase Wright. In a chaotic seven seconds, uh, the female officer, who already had a weapon drawn, is heard yelling, "I'll tase you." And then taser, taser, taser before firing. But immediately after, she's heard saying, holy shit, I shot him. Apparently realizing she had fired her service weapon weapon instead of her taser. Uh, Gannon described it as an accidental discharge that resulted in the tragic death of Mr. Wright. Gannon declined to identify the officer but described her as a veteran of the department and said she was immediately placed on leave pending the outcome of an investigation into the shooting. Um, This is... If if true that this was an accident and she meant to tase him, first of all, I'm not sure why. Right. He needed to be tased in the first place or even taken out of his car. That's a whole other story. But let's just uh, f- focus on this particular seven seconds. That is some s- severe deficiency in police training. Um, I have handled a pistol. I have handled a taser. And a taser is very different very. from a pistol. It's also worn on your weak side. And the weight it to it is quite different. Yeah, and it's it's huge. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm having a hard time believing it was an accident. Watching the video where she's saying taser, taser, taser. Right. Supports that. She thought, it seems, in the video that she meant to tase him and her reaction when she realized it wasn't a taser but i i don't understand i just don't understand how i just don't understand how that could have happened i i this is one of those uh stories that i just i don't have words for uh yeah don't you don't know what was going through the officer's head um and there's so much that needs to be fixed in this country and so when i say this please hear me that i am not defending the police but if this was truly an accident, this woman also has to live with the fact that her grave error took someone's life. And that is also quite intense. Um, and, and that's giving the benefit of the doubt. Trust me when I say that. It is giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and I definitely need to find out why these two officers, the male officers that were there before she arrived... We're even pulling him out of his car. Indeed. I want to know the whole thing from the beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, A horrible Mm -hmm. tragedy. And our thoughts, of course, are with the family. Um, Enough is is enough. I mean, this is, is, enough was a long time ago. So I'm hoping, and I don't want to hear this bullshit of we need more training, we need more training, because all that is, is a dog whistle for we need more money for the police. And the police don't need more money. They need to allocate their money in a different way. (sighs) And uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. And, And... And, and, you know, on the other side of the gun argument we've had, and that we'll cover more of this tomorrow as, as the story unfolds, but just right now, breaking a shooting at a, a school in Knoxville, Tennessee, another one in Los Angeles, and then another one in Tennessee. Three school shootings today. One helicopter Jesus. in Tennessee unable to determine which shooting, which school shooting they're reporting on. Um, and f- it was just four days ago that the governor... Um, is it the mayor of Knoxville or the governor of Tennessee um, had signed 
a, a bill saying to lift all bans on open carry in and just four days ago. So there are consequences. There are consequences. We're right back where we were um, with in-person learning now. Yeah, indeed. Uh, heavy story to start, uh, but we do have some uh, good news moving forward. Um, hopefully this turns into good news. More than 100 chief executives and corporate leaders gathered online Saturday to discuss taking new action to combat the controversial state voting bills being considered across the country. This is including one recently signed into law in Georgia. So executives from major airlines, retailers, and manufacturers, plus at least one NFL owner, talked about potential ways to show they oppose the legislation, and that's including by halting donations to politicians who support the bills and even delaying investments in states that pass the restrictive measures. Now, that's according to four people who were on the call, including one of the organizers, Jeffrey Sonnenfeld. He's a Yale management professor. Now, while no final steps were agreed upon, uh, the meeting represents an aggressive dialing up of corporate America's stand against controversial voting measures nationwide, and hopefully a sign that their opposition to the laws didn't end with the fight against the Georgia legislation passed in March. It also came days after the Senate minority, minority, leader Mitch McConnell warned that firms, he's such a piece of shit, (laughs) should stay out of politics. Now, that's echoing a view shared by many conservative politicians and setting up the potential for an additional conflict between Republican leaders and the heads of some America's largest firms, because they've had no problem taking uh, money from these corporations until now. Mm-hmm. Corporations are people, indeed, but not people who need to talk. Indeed. Yeah. This month, former president, uh, we'll just call him the former guy, called for conservatives to boycott Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, Delta Airlines, Citigroup, Viacom, CBS, UPS and other companies after they opposed the law in Georgia that critics say will make it more difficult for poor voters and voters of color to cast their ballots. Now, baseball officials decided to move the all-star game as we know this summer from Georgia to Colorado because of that voting bill. So money talks, it does. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that it has to take this. It really does. And it tells you how much power corporations have in this country because it's more than us, and it's more than the voter, and it should not be. No. And and he, the former guy's uh, boycott on Coca-Cola is interesting. There are now like seven photos verified of him with Coke products over the last right. week. Uh, didn't he have a button? He had a button. Yeah. And then, yeah, he had a Diet Coke button in the, in the on the Resolute desk. Um, and now, you know, all these boycotts, Coca-Cola, Major League Delta, Citigroup, Viacom, but like, meanwhile, trying to be on the other side of cancel culture. It's just really, really interesting uh, to watch them walk that line. And Antoine Fuqua and Will Smith are moving the production on their huge budget runaway slave thriller Emancipation out of Georgia in protest of the state's controversial new voting restrictions. Uh, Quote, at this moment in time, the nation is coming to terms with its history and is attempting to eliminate vestiges of institutional racism to achieve true racial justice. That's Fuqua. That's the movie director. And Smith, uh, they both put out this joint statement. Uh, We cannot in good conscience provide economic support to a government that enacts regressive voting laws that are designed to restrict voter access. The new Georgia voting laws are reminiscent of voting impediments that were passed at the end of Reconstruction to prevent many Americans from voting. Regrettably, we feel compelled to move our film production work from Georgia to another state. Emancipation, which was scheduled to begin filming June 21st, stars Will Smith as Peter, this f- a fugitive from slavery who's fleeing Louisiana in the hopes of traveling north. And uh, Fuqua will direct it from a script written by William Collage. And uh, f- the Fuqua Films and Smith's media company network, Westbrook Inc., are backing the film, which sold to Apple Studios 
valued at 120 million. So it's unclear uh, where production will move and whether or not Smith and Fuqua's decision will pressure other Hollywood players to cease from filming in Georgia. We already know the Indiana Jones uh, is moving out of there. The Peach State, Georgia, has become a major production hub in recent years uh, with the likes of Tyler Perry, Marvel, Marvel Studios setting up major film and television shoots in Georgia because they have these generous uh, incentives. Yep. But now they could lose all of it. Massive tax breaks there. Um, but there's there's consequences. There are consequences in Hollywood. I'm glad they're stepping up because unfortunately we do, or fortunately, we do hold a lot of financial power when it comes to those sorts of things. So uh, it is frustrating. Now, while Republicans in Georgia, as we know, as we're talking about, they pass sweeping new restrictions on voting, including provisions that make it harder to get an absentee ballot and cap the number of early voting days at 19. That's 19 more days than Connecticut, which is really interesting, which offers zero days in in-person early voting. Zero. Now, Connecticut, a state with some of the most restrictive voting laws in the nation, is poised to move the opposite direction. Democrats in the General Assembly are considering a number of bills that would expand access and make voting easier. Now, here are the voting bills under consideration this year. We've got Senate Bill 5, which would allow people on parole to vote regardless of whether they have outstanding fines. It would also expand the other state agencies, the so-called, quote, motor voter law that permits voters to register at the Department of Motor Vehicles, which they should be able to. Now, there's also Senate Bill 820. Now, this one would establish a state voting rights act. The measure, which was drafted by Senator Matt Lesser, he's the Democrat in Middletown, in consultation with the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, seeks to prevent voter suppression and intimidation and gives the state attorney general new enforcement authority. And now we also have House Joint Resolution 58, which would allow for, quote, no excuse absentee ballots. Under the current law, people seeking mail-in ballots must provide a reason why they cannot be at the polls on Election Day. I guess COVID and a fucking pandemic wasn't enough for Connecticut. Um, in little parentheses here, valid excuses for obtaining mail-in ballots include military deployment and traveling out of town and illness. So we also have House Joint Resolution 59. There's a lot of things going on in Connecticut. This would allow for early voting. So Connecticut is one of just seven states that doesn't allow citizens to vote in person before Election Day at all. One of those states, Delaware, announced it will begin offering that option, early voting, in 2022. Now, both of those proposals require amending the state constitution, which is, by design, a multi-step process. So if the bill allowing for no-excuse absentee ballots passed both chambers of the General Assembly by a three-fourths vote, it would be placed on the November 2022 statewide ballot for consideration by Connecticut voters. It sure would be <laughs> nice if it happened before that. <laughs> there's no... Jesus <laughs> Christ. You're like, we, it's real hard to vote here, but we're going to need you to vote on how hard it is to yeah. vote here. Can you do if that? If you could do that. Yeah, but we want you to show up. Don't show up early. You're not allowed to do that yet. So uh, if it passed by a lesser margin, so that's half of the three-fourths needed, it would need to be voted on again by the legislature in 2022 or 2023 and would come before voters in November 2024, which is, as we know, the next presidential election. So Connecticut, if you could get your shit together before then, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it's just, it's like, we want to make voting easier, but you have to vote on it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be right back with some more headlines. We have a lot of news today, so stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG, and I have a new sponsor. I found an incredible website. It's amazing. You have to check it out. It's nuts.com. It is the best-kept secret of savvy snackers across the country. They have an amazing variety of high-quality delicious snacks available, like white chocolate toffee cashews, bourbon pecans, crystallized ginger honey sesame sticks. Oh, my gosh. Everything that they make is so incredible, and the quality of their nuts is amazing. Uh, It's not just for nut lovers. It's your one-stop online pantry shop. They have so many different kinds of tasty snacks and pantry items available, including candies, dried fruits, um, and items like baking mixes, pasta, and more. I love discovering new things on their site. It's wonderful for gifts. I have found baking items, items for smoothies, rolled oats, beans, and of course, delicious snacks. Nuts.com is a simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts, dried fruit, flowers, grains, and so many other high-quality foods delivered straight to your door. With over 4,000 products to choose from, Nuts.com is your one-stop online pantry shop. They even have gluten-free and vegan options, as well as healthy, kid-friendly snacks like dried strawberries, which are so good, and custom trail mix. I love the mangoes, too, the dried mangoes. Uh, Plus, all the raw, organic, roasted, salted, and candy nuts you can imagine, even chocolate-dipped. Nuts.com is a family-run business that takes pride in getting you the freshest stuff. So check out their easy-to-navigate website and all the great photos of their products. Delivery is fast. Most orders ship the same day. New Nuts.com customers get free shipping on your first order when you text BEANS to 64000. And remember, you support our show when you support our sponsors. So text BEANS to 64000 to get free shipping on your first order from Nuts.com. That's BEANS to 64000. Terms apply. Available at Nuts.com slash terms. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Former president, former guy, ripped into Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell before a uh, Republican National Committee donor retreat Saturday night, deriding him as a dumb son of a bitch. (laughs) Trump veered off his prepared text during a roughly 50-minute speech before several hundred well-heeled GOP donors at Mar-a-Lago, saying he was disappointed in in Mike Pence, who calling last year's presidential election a fraud and mocking Dr. Anthony Fauci. Just, he's on this, you know, all the hits. Trump also went after McConnell's wife, former Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, for resigning her cabinet post after the January 6th insurrection. Not for breaking the law or anything like that but for resigning her post. A spokesperson for McConnell, the Kentucky Republican, who was just reelected to a seventh six-year term last year, did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Hmm. But the former guy isn't the only one targeting McConnell. It appears Democrats are starting to learn a little bit about messaging. Um, this is really interesting. Sarah Mucha at Axios reports the White House is selling President Biden's $2.2 trillion infrastructure plan by projecting how much it will help each state. They're going to put together like a report card for each state. And they're starting with Kentucky and California, tagging the homes of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. It puts them on the defensive and warns other Republicans that they'll have to explain their votes on this bridge or that highway, for example. And Jonathan Swan reports Republicans messaging on the plan. They're saying Biden's partisan job-crushing slush fund spends just 5% of the total $2.7 trillion on roads and bridges. All the numbers in that are incorrect, Uh, and as are the words. (laughs) (laughs) Now, additionally, members of Congress had begun a frenzy of lobbying to ensure that their pet projects and policy priorities are included in the $2 trillion infrastructure and jobs plan. They're eager to shape what could be one of the most substantial public works investments 
in a generation. And what's great is that while Republicans on one hand are saying Biden's partisan job crushing slush fund, they're also trying to get their shit in the bill, right? Officials across the country are dusting off lists of construction projects and social programs hoping to secure their piece of a plan aimed at addressing what the administration estimates is at least a trillion dollars worth of backlogged infrastructure improvements as well as economic and racial inequities that have existed for decades. Senior lawmakers have started collecting lists of requests from their colleagues for what should be included in the bill, while top White House officials are fielding a a cadre of calls from rank-and-file lawmakers, all of whom have their own idea, all of whom have stuff that they want in it. It's going to be the exact same thing we saw with the COVID plan. Uh, Certain states got certain stuff. And we saw Republicans touting it, like, look at what we got for for our home state here, uh, everyone. And none of them voted for it. They're trying to do it, and they will do it again. And I think that the Biden administration is going to try to get out ahead of that with the messaging by going state to state and saying, here's how your state will benefit from this plan that we will vote for, that no Republicans are going to vote for. Um, now, somebody said, Pete Buttigieg, actually, he, he said, my phone is blowing up. Um, And he said that in an interview, nearly every lawmaker can point to a road or a bridge or an airport in his or her district that is in dire need of repair. And today, Biden is set to meet at the White House with eight Republicans and Democrats to discuss the plan, part of a push to forge a bipartisan compromise that may ultimately prove futile, given GOP resistance to the scope of the package. Now, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but this is part of the thing. This is what if because if Biden doesn't meet with Republicans, Republicans will be like, he's not bipartisan. So we did this with the COVID plan. We had the Republicans come over. The Republicans said, we want 600 billion, not 2 trillion. And he's like, nope, sorry, take a hike. We'll do this without you. But I tried. And that's sort of why Joe Manchin was like, hey, he tried at least. He tried. And uh, none of that bipartisan shit is happening, at least among the lawmakers, because so many Americans and, and Republicans alike, um, Republican voters liked that plan and like the infrastructure plan. So this is what they do, right? This is the motions that, that Biden has to go through. Just like I said, I tweeted it out. I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. He's going to invite some Republicans over. They're going to say they want something. They're going to be so far apart on what they want. Biden will say, I tried. And hopefully Manchin will be like, yeah, I guess he did try. Uh, it's the Republicans who aren't being bipartisan and hopefully he'll vote for it. Although he has said he doesn't like the corporate tax hike. We'll see how much we have to water that down to make him happy. Um, this group uh, of, of folks that went to the White House uh, today includes Maria Cantwell, Democrat of Washington, Roger Wicker, Republican of Mississippi, David Price, Representative, Democrat of North Carolina, and Don Young, Republican of Alaska. And then the five cabinet officials tapped to navigate the infrastructure package, including Mr. Buttigieg, are continuing to discuss the plan with both Republicans and Democrats. So there is an outreach attempt happening. And the process of also finding out from Republicans what they want in their states. This process is crucial for maneuvering the far-reaching plan through Congress, like I said, where he has a minuscule minority. Buttigieg said Sunday on Fox News that Biden wanted to see major progress in Congress by Memorial Day, and lawmakers are eager to weigh in. Representatives Mikey Sherrill, Democrat of New Jersey, wants to tackle a gateway rail tunnel under the Hudson River. Mitch McConnell uh, uh, wants to... Uh, He says, surely the functionally obsolete Brent Spence Bridge in his state should receive funding. And progressive lawmakers have a five-part wish list that includes lowering drug costs and providing a pathway to citizenship citizenship for undocumented workers. I'm hoping that by getting some of the dollars needed to Republican rep states, Manchin will see that this is bipartisan enough. Uh, 
Representative Peter DeFazio of Oregon, the chairman of the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, and the committee's top Republican representative, Sam Graves of Missouri, are also asking lawmakers to identify priorities in their districts. And while infrastructure has long been hailed as the policy area with the ripest prospects for bipartisan cooperation, Congress has failed in recent years to agree on legislation. And here now we have the Democrats saying, we, we, ha- we, we can do this, we'll get it through. And the Republicans are like, could you include this? Could you include that? Could you include this? We're not going to vote for it. But could you do this for my state? And now with Democrats newly in charge of both chambers, Biden is thinking much bigger, right? His proposal includes not just trillions for spending in highways, bridges and other stuff like that, but huge investments in areas that have not traditionally been seen as infrastructure, such as paid leave and child care. It's human infrastructure. That view, which critics say is too expansive and some progressives say needs to be bigger, has emboldened lawmakers in both chambers to try to use the package to accomplish all manner of policy priorities. That with regards to the progressive wing of the caucus, leading progressives like AOC had a choice after they won in 2018 and expanded their ranks in 2020. They could either challenge Democratic leaders from the sidelines or get in the game with them. And this is from Bloomberg News. Their decision to play by Congress's rules is giving them clout in a government under unified Democratic control with Joe Biden. Members of Representative Ocasio-Cortez's so-called squad are taking leadership roles in the House and building experience on Capitol Hill, turning them into not just ideological purists, but also strategic legislators. They're gently pushing on bolder Democratic strategy and meeting regularly with White House aides, bringing liberal dreams like a $15 federal minimum wage, for example, and a permanent child tax credit within reach. I hate that Bloomberg calls them dreams. They shouldn't be considered that. They should be necessary (laughs) pieces of legislation. And rather than starting a rival group within the Democratic Party, far-left members are joining and taking leadership positions in the 95-member Congressional Progressive Caucus, CPC. It's been around for more than three decades, actually. Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar, also elected in 2018, now leads the CPC's vote-counting team. This is a different approach than Tea Party Republicans took in 2010. That was at the midpoint of the first Obama term. Instead, they challenged GOP leadership and spurned the existing conservative Republican Study Committee— and uh, to start the Freedom Caucus and draw a starker ideological line. They were dicks, right? Then Democrat Mondaire Jones, a newly elected representative from New York who joined the Progressive Caucus vote counting team, says focusing on gettable policies while building consensus for bolder moves is an explicit strategy. It works. She says, quote, where we can get victories, we should be concentrating our energies in those places. For example, lowering the age of Medicare eligibility over getting a floor vote for Medicare for all. Since there isn't currently enough support in the House to pass more comprehensive universal health programs, progressives would like to see that's the way to start it. The CPC changed its rules after last year's election to require members to vote as a block on issues that are supported by two-thirds of the group and at least two-thirds of the time. That is similar to the unity pledge the Conservatives' House Freedom Caucus requires. But unlike the Freedom Caucus's sometimes thorny and shitty relationship with the Republican leadership, CPC has not revolted against Pelosi. Progressives opted not to withhold their votes against Biden's virus-related package after some of their priorities were excluded. That's an example of their willingness to accept half measures and push for more in the next bill. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And while there are Democratic primaries in which progressives are supporting challengers, some members have traveled to other districts to work with colleagues to appeal to voters, even in traditionally conservative states like Texas and Alabama. For example, we remember uh, AOC raised over $5 million in Texas for relief after the the deep freeze. She traveled to a Houston food bank, used her Twitter megaphone. She has over 12.5 million followers, by the way, to praise Democrats who represented the area, building goodwill within the caucus. This is the smart way to govern. 
and the attempt to unionize workers at one Amazon Inc. warehouse got support from several members of the Progressive Caucus. Michigan Democrat Andy Levin, part of Omar's CPC vote counting team, traveled to support that effort, along with Nakima Williams, Jamal Brown, and Cori Bush, all progressives elected in 2020. They joined Representative Terry Sewell, whose district includes part of Bessemer, Alabama, where the warehouse is located. That vote eventually failed. Uh, this is part of an effort by progressives with affiliated with groups like Justice Democrats, for example, to win over voters. And their congressional delegations is a way to bring a new form of Democratic and progressive representation to Congress in places like Alabama and Texas, where Republican controlled uh, there are Republican controlled um, governments. And that's according to Walid Shahid, a Justice Democrat spokesperson. Uh, historically, we will now get to see whether the CPC strategy of support fares better than the failed Tea Party caucus. I think it will. I think you'll find that it will. And we'll be right back with more headlines, including a blackout at an Iranian nuclear site in what appears to be Israeli sabotage. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the pod is brought to you by All Forum, which brings beautiful, customizable furniture to your home. All Forum crafts the most gorgeous, high-quality sofas and chairs, love seats, etc., made to your specs. And then they deliver it directly to you with fast, free shipping. You get to customize your own sofa. You get to use premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. Because with All Forum, you can pick your fabric, which is spill-stain and scratch-resistant, which is great for the pod pets. You pick the color of the fabric, uh, the finish of the legs, the sofa size, the shape. You make sure it's perfect for you and your home. I picked out a three-seater sofa. I used whiskey-colored leather, and I had a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge on the side. It came in a couple days. I put it together myself. It came in the mail, and I did it. I put it, put it together without any tools. You don't need someone to come assemble it in your home, like with traditional custom sofas. And you can always start small and buy more because they have armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. So you can get some to add onto it if you move to a bigger place as time goes on. And you get to keep it for 100 days to decide if you want it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a totally full refund. And they also have a forever warranty. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. So now's the time. Allform.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. Uh, as you know, we have been beefing up our cybersecurity here in the United States under the Biden administration. But a power failure that appeared to have been caused by a deliberately planned explosion hit Iran's Natanz uranium enrichment site on Sunday. And Iranian officials are calling it an act of sabotage they suggest has been carried out by Israel. The blackout injected new uncertainty into diplomatic efforts, obviously, that began last week to try to salvage the 2015 nuclear deal torn up by the former guy. Iran did not say precisely what had caused the blackout. It's a very heavily guarded, heavily fortified site, and it has been the target of sabotage previously. And Israel has publicly declined to confirm or deny any responsibility. But American and Israeli intelligence officials said that there had been at least an Israeli role. Now, from The New York Times, two intelligence officials briefed on the damage, said it had been caused by a large explosion that completely destroyed the independent and heavily protected internal power system that supplies the underground centrifuges that enrich uranium. So uranium enrichment, as you know, or I, I don't know if I know because I went to nuke school, it's a process where you, you make a very stable uranium m unstable by uh, enriching it. And when it's unstable like that, it doesn't take much to, uh, to break down and make water molecules move and make hot water, which makes steam. Or you can also use it for weapons-grade <laughs> uranium uh, if you enrich it a little bit longer. And that's, of course, what everybody was worried Iran was doing and why we wanted inspectors in there and why we had the nuclear deal in the first place. Because you can enrich uranium at these places under the guise of using it for nuclear power. 
but you're actually enriching it for weapons grade um, uranium. And the officials who spoke on the condition of anonymity here to describe a classified Israeli operation said the explosion had dealt a severe blow to Iran's ability to enrich uranium and that it could take at least nine months to restore production there. So Iran's leverage in new talks sought by the Biden administration to restore the nuclear agreement could be compromised. Iran has said it would take increasingly strong actions prohibited under the agreement until the sanctions imposed by Trump have been rescinded. Now, it's not immediately clear how much advance notice, if any, uh, the U.S. got about this operation, this explosion, which happened on the same morning as the American Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was visiting Israel. But Israeli officials have made no secret of their unhappiness over Biden's desire to revive the nuclear agreement. Ali Akbar Salehi, the head of Iran's atomic energy organization, described the blackout as an act of nuclear terrorism and said the international community must confront the threat. And from The Washington Post. President Biden is preparing to nominate Tucson Police Chief Chris Magnus to be commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection, selecting a critic of the Trump administration's immigration policies to run the country's largest federal law enforcement agency as it contends with the biggest increase in migrants arriving at the southwest border in two decades. And I question that statement here from The Washington Post because these seem like typical seasonal increases. Magnus has led the Tucson Police Department since 2016 and has prominently associated himself with the movement favored by the progressive wing of the Democratic Party that emphasizes a less aggressive community-based policing model. Uh, Magnus opposes efforts to make Tucson uh, a sanctuary city, but he generally eschewed cooperation with federal immigration authorities, placing him at odds with the Border Patrol Union and many of the agents and officials who will potentially be under his command. So he could be at odds with a lot of these folks that he's leading. Magnus is one of six Department of Homeland Security nominees uh, and selections that Biden will announce today. That's according to a White House official who confirmed the picks on the condition of anonymity because they aren't yet public. We're going to go over those picks this week on Cleanup on Aisle 45, which comes out on Wednesday morning. And finally, a series of rumored White Lives Matter rallies that police were bracing for in cities across the U.S. on Sunday largely didn't come to fruition. Reporters on the ground noted that the number of demonstrators were vastly outnumbered by counter-protesters if White Lives Matter supporters showed up at all. In Huntington Beach, California, it's very close to where I live, a White Lives Matter event was dominated by a large crowd of Black Lives Matter activists, which clashed with smaller groups of rival demonstrators there in support of the original protest. That's according to the L.A. Times. At least four counter-protesters were taken into custody, according to the newspaper, for alleged crimes like using amplified sound without a permit. Uh, illegally carrying items like pepper spray and batons and for obstructing police. Uh, a planned event in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas, only drew three White Lives Matter protesters, according to the Fort Worth Weekly, uh, and a reporter who was present and reported the event drew to a close after a largely uneventful few hours of arguing between protesters and counter-protesters who reportedly outnumbered the White Lives Matter supporters 10 to 1. <laughs> Hundreds of Black Lives Matter. Pro I don't mean to laugh. This is uh, seriously a very serious matter that we have White Lives Matter protesters in this country. But I love the fact that none of them showed up. Uh, hundreds of Black Lives Matter protesters also took to downtown Fargo, North Dakota, after reports of White Lives Matter rallies that would be held at Fargo City Hall. But according to local radio station, no demonstrators showed up to support the White Lives Matter side. A single man with a sign reading All Guns Matter was outnumbered by several hundred counter-protesters in Albuquerque, and that was uh, on Sunday. And uh, that's according to a New Mexico in-depth reporter on the scene who said the Proud Boys organizers of the White Lives Matter event never showed up. 
Attendance at White Lives Matter protests scheduled in Raleigh, North Carolina, Columbus, Ohio, Asheville, North Carolina, among others, also appeared to just not happen. No one showed up. So after that, I have a little bit of schadenfreude for you. Schadenfreude. Our friend Milkshake Matt Gates was recently denied a meeting with the former guy at his Mar-a-Lago estate as the ex-president and his allies continue to distance themselves from the Florida congressman. Two people familiar with the matter said Gates tried to schedule a visit with Trump after it was first revealed that he was being investigated, but the request was rejected by aides close to the former president who urged Trump to not to stick his neck out for Gates. Harlan Hill, a spokesman for Gates, who you need to Google photo him right now, said the congressman did not request a meeting with Trump this week. No, we didn't. Rep Gates was welcomed to Trump Doral this weekend and has not sought to meet with the president Trump himself. Hill said in a statement to CNN, claiming that Gates has been mostly relaxing with his fiance this week during recess. And I'm <laughs> at first I thought he meant recess from school. Uh, anyway, the interference by Trump's aides signals that Gates finds himself increasingly isolated. Trump has issued only one statement about him since the, we first learned about the sex trafficking inquiry. Uh, Trump denied ever receiving a blanket pardon request from the 38 year old congressman and noted Gates's denial of the allegations against him. Now, following repeated requests for comment, Trump spokesman Jason Miller wrote in a tweet Sunday evening that Gates didn't request a meeting and therefore it could not have been denied. Oh, thank you for laying out how time is linear and how things if and. I appreciate that, Jason Miller. Gates has continued to deny all allegations against him. He's not yet been charged with any crimes. Uh, Trump has otherwise kept silent, issuing the two-sentence missive last week. Speaking to deep-pocketed GOP donors at his Palm Beach Club Saturday, though, Trump omitted Gates as he name-checked many of his Republican defenders, Christy Noem, Mark Meadows, Ron DeSantis, Jim Jordan. That's kind of where the list ends. <laughs> Trump's failure to mention Gates was viewed as conspicuous, uh, given the congressman's outsized loyalty to the former president and the litany of other Republicans Trump called out during his speech. Meanwhile, Gates' appearance on Friday at a conference for pro-Trump women raised eyebrows inside the former president's orbit. Aides saw his last-minute speech to the Women for America First event, which was held at a nearby Trump National Resort, Doral, as a blatant attempt to reach Trump and his supporters. A person directly involved with Trump's post-presidential operations said the ex-president's aides were under the impression that Gates went down there to try to accidentally bump into Trump or people around him. Gates, who was announced as a special guest only days before the summit began, used his time on stage to denounce wild conspiracy theories about his personal life and reaffirm his plans to remain on Capitol Hill. Very interesting. Uh, but yeah, so um, I think my favorite response to me just posting that story and cackling wildly is the Mariah Carey gif that goes with it. No, I don't know her. Still don't know her. <laughs> it's just absolutely great. Anyway, good bit of schadenfreude. We will continue with listener-submitted good news right after this quick break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this segment of the pod is brought to you by Stamps.com. Sometimes I dream about all the amazing places I'm going to go if I had extra time and money. I'd visit Germany, France, all kinds of places. The tropics. But then I think about places I never would go if I had all the time and money in the world, and the post office is right at the top of the list. So if you're like me and trying to avoid waiting in lines and wasting precious time and money, I highly recommend Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com is super easy. They allow you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with bulk discount rates. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. You get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place, plus huge discounts. I find their service very smooth and efficient. It's incredibly user 
friendly. It is a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices or a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print out official U.S. postage for any letter 24-7, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and 62% off UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder nearly 1 million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with our promo code DAILYBEANS, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus a bunch of free postage and they send you a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and then type in Daily Beans, all one word. That's Stamps.com, promo code Daily Beans. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. It's your birthday. Good news. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Of course, it's tomorrow when everyone hears this, so your birthday's over, but it's still your birthday right now. It's still my birthday right now. And for good news, if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt or Misheard Song Lyrics, or you want to do, uh, what's the one about swears? Oh, shoot. Where the swear? Something about awesome swears. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're, I guess we're also doing misheard axioms now. I mean, we have whatever, you know, literally just whatever you want to say. Just send we're it just to a game show. We're just a game show now. We're not even a podcast. <laughs> we're just a game show. That's all we do. <laughs> just send them all in, all of your stuff to uh, dailybeanspod.com. Uh, Click on contact. And that's where you can send it. <laughs> and then next week, we're starting a podcast just called What the Hell's Going On? That's it. That's all. It's- all right. Let's get started. Go for it. <laughs> I have an anonymous correction to start with. Hi, love the show. Longtime listener. First time complainer. I'm a big fan of General Honore. Have been since Katrina. I think he pronounces his last name like Honore, silent H, French accent on the E. He identifies as Creole. Oh, was I saying it wrong? Honore. I think I was saying Honore. It's a Nore. Uh, thank you all. Love and respect. Y'all are great. Good news makes me want another dog and another punk band. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. A Nore. All right. This next one comes from Randy. No pronouns given on Randy. Bonjour. Speaking of French. <laughs> Bonjour. Oh. Renez de Lugumez. Lugumez? Lugumez? Lugumez. There we go. First, my good news. I was forced to move recently. I love when people do this. Okay. I was forced to move recently because my now ex-landlord's in the process of selling, which might sound like bad news at first. See? Okay. However, in the process of finding a new place, I found most of my options are trending away from my job in Pennsylvania and closer to my family in New Jersey. The timing is great as my mom and stepfather are both getting their second shots in a week and we'll all be able to see each other in person than, uh, more than in socially distanced groups at parks on the holidays. Now, I also have a Mondegreen that you actually saw for me in, quote, Edge of 17. I never heard, quote, one-winged dove because I never heard dove at all. Instead, I always thought the line was just like the one we love. That's fair. This is particularly egregious for me because I'm big on lyrics and I can recall many occasions growing up when my dad would pull out a guitar or sit down at the piano and start playing 
um, a classic rock, playing classic rock, and he'd sing the same version over and over. And I tried my damnedest to get the lyrics right. And somehow, I let a, let a Stevie Nicks lyric slip right by me to this day. <laughs> no, um, sorry, no pet tax, but maybe I'll end up in a pet-friendly apartment soon. Thanks for keeping me entertained and informed on my newly long enough for podcast commute. Awesome. Congratulations on the new job. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yep, hug the parents. That's going to be great. And by the way, on the Facebook uh, group and on Twitter, we have so many people who thought it was also one winged dove. So yeah. there is a there is a team one winged dove out there. Yeah, just like just a so one winged you know. dove sings a song, sounds like you're singing. It sounds a song just like you're singing. One winged dove. Okay. <laughs> Next up from Carolyn. Hello, Beans Queens. Thank you for keeping me laughing during this past shitty year. I have a submission for what the mutt. Ooh. May I present Merck? You may. He's he's named after <laughs> the meerkats. Since he was a babe in the local shelter, he has put himself in a begging position when he wants attention. He reminded us of a meerkat when they were on sentry duty, so we just began calling him Merc. Here are a few pictures of Merc. Please note his coat of many textures and his impressive set of bloomers. We had a DNA test done and did not believe it. We had another test done from a different company. <laughs> Although the results were a bit different, the major components were the same. Please give it your best shot. Whoa. Poodle. Huh? There's a standard poodle in there. Merck's hair is crimped. What is that tall, slinky oh. dog? <gasps> I saw one of those walking the other day. It lo- they look like a lady. Like a lady yeah. in a dog costume. Just a yeah, lady. What is that? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. It, it's like a dog on stilts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, the, it, it's, got, it's got the white with the tan spots. What are those called? I think, yeah, look that up because I think you might be right. I do think that there's some poodle in this dog i also like standard poodle i also think that there's there it is a, like a um a lab there it is what's it called what's this dog called a borzoi or a borzoi yeah yeah i'm agree i'm in agreement there all right so i see that and then aussie the pantaloons are amazing oh my god amazing aussie borzoi uh what else did you say i said standard poodle and poodle like a lab let me see. Is there another picture? Yes. Oh, my God. Look oh, there's the another face. picture. Oh, dude, it's very cute. Now it's got like a chihuahua head. I know. It does have a what's chihuahua. Happening? It, what's happening? What's <laughs> happening? There's whatever you looked up had sex with a chihuahua. All right. Let's see what we've got here. Poodle. Oh, I've got that first one on there. Min pin. Okay. Cocker spaniel, shih tzu, Pekingese pug, and 18% super mutt. I bet you super mutt yours is in the super the mutt. The I, I love that I got the, the biggest percentage though of that one. You I'm did. Gonna, I'm going to tout myself. I am. You did. Poodle. Good job. 44.6%. I'll take it. All right. We've got a uh, cobalt update from, from you next. What, what, this, what, oh. what did they have to say from James? Yes, this is from James. As we know, pronouns he and him. I have more good news about cobalt than Minnie Aussie and her cancer surgery, who's the cutest damn dog. Okay. We just got an email from the oncologist about the histo, uh, histopathology report. And it looks like the surgeon managed to get clean margins all around the tumor. Yes, narrow margins, but still clean. It's looking like chemotherapy or radiation therapy will not be necessary. 
Nice, which is doubly good because apparently there aren't any places that do radiation therapy for dogs in British Columbia. So we'd have to go to Alberta or Oregon. Interesting. Now it's not a complete clean bill of health and they'll want cobalt in every three months for checkups, but this is excellent outcome overall. As pod pet tax, here are some more cobalt photos. The first one is baby. Oh, the baby cobalt pictures kill me. Escaping from her pen, something she turned out to be very good at. The second is cobalt herding sheep, something she's wasn't particularly good at, but really enjoyed. Uh, the last photo was cobalt wrestling with her sister, Denim, something both enjoyed and very good at. I don't think Denim's ever won a wrestling match though. Cobalt, look at the sweetness. Look at her climbing. Oh my goodness. Oh, that, that warm puppy belly. Oh, <gasps> the second picture. Ah, oh my God. Ah. The sheep. Yes. Cobalt, get it. <laughs> okay. Ah. Look at the third picture. <laughs> that looks like terrifying that's incredible shot though well done with the photography <laughs> beautiful oh wonderful good news yeah pod pet my uh my cat boobs had had they same thing and he's we've got two years now clean bill of health so i'm very happy for you that's awesome. And man, these photos are great. Uh, next up from SD, pronouns she and her. Hey, ladies, uh, listening and uh, listening to and loving the beans all the way from Sydney, Australia. My fiance and I donate to the Guide Dogs Association in our state for each of our Golden Retrievers birthdays and each Christmas. The donations are made on their behalf and in their names. It is the cutest thing ever when we receive mail updates from Guide Dogs addressed to Miss Venus and Mr. Quest. Venus is a three-year-old cream golden. Quest is an eight-year-old gold golden. I've attached a really sweet photo, a sweet photo of Venus bringing her mail in from the mailbox today. They bring me so much joy, and I hope you get a giggle from it, too. Oh, oh my goodness. Your dog brings you the mail? That's fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. I love that brought in the guide dog mail. That's great. All right. This next one's from TH, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. You are the first thing I listen to on the daily, and I really miss you on the weekends, especially when I work. Now, my confession story begins last summer while I was bedridden for having broken my leg. Now, as my good fortune would have it, as the pandemic left my daughter unemployed from her job as a flight attendant, that's some bad news of course, for her. She had to move home just in time to look after me because my husband's strengths definitely lie elsewhere. <laughs> During <laughs> nice way to put it. It sure was. <laughs> During my daily griping, I mentioned how nice it would be uh, to be able to just pee in a bottle or something instead of um, acrobatics I had to perform trying to relieve myself in a tiny bathroom with a straight leg and a cast. Now, fast forward to last week when my daughter, who has since moved into her own new digs here in our hometown, tells me that a friend has mailed a pack to my house. The package contains two bottles of virgin olive oil straight from the family's own olive grove in Greece. The package arrived and I let my daughter know she could come and get it while I was at work. Now, she told me she would be dropping off a couple of things when grabbing the oil and that one of the bottles would be for me. Now, it's at this point, I would direct you to the attached photo of the bubble-wrapped bottle of oil and what I honestly thought was a newfangled art deco funnel to pour the oil into a glass container. That's hysterical because I know exactly what that is. <laughs> yep. um, yes, a lot, of, a lot of girls use that camping. Now, then my daughter texts to find out what I thought of it. 
Um, and a light went off in my ditzy head. Nope, it's not an Ikea idea of a kitchen funnel. It is a shiwi. My darling, thoughtful daughter picked one up for me in case I ever break another leg. Now, just thought you gals who, like myself, would like to be able to write your names in the snow would see the humor and the mistake in the identity of something otherwise so benign by simple juxtaposition. Thanks for letting me share the story. Attached for pet tax are Eddie, the feline, and his nemesis Lola, the newfie. Thanks for all you do. Cheers. Now, <laughs> ladies, I'm telling you, these things, and I have a different version. They're awesome when you go camping or if you're a cyclist and you want to have, you know, you don't want to find a public restroom and you're on your bike. Um, you just pull this thing out and it literally fits where it needs to go. And you, you have a little wipe, bring a sanitary wipe and clean it off and put it away. <laughs> oh, now look at the kitty. Oh, and look at the new V. Oh, Ooh. it's got some white floof. Oh, listen to Big baby. Is that like a part Pyrenees, Newfoundland? It looks like a part Pyrenees. Oh, he's so cute. I love them. Could also be a St. Bernard? Yeah. Are those the same? Uh, no, they're different. St. Yeah. Bernard's are different from... I mean, it's the same dog. It's just the just different colors. No, oh, okay. they're very actually different dogs. But Newfoundland is the <laughs> black one. Pyrenees is the white one. And then the, the St. Bernard has the spots. And then, of course, uh, there's, there's other big... Like the Burmese water dog and... A Burmese mountain dog. Sorry, a Portuguese water dog. Burmese mountain dog. There's all sorts of... Oh, look who knows so much about dogs unless we're asked to guess one. (laughs) Well, I only know those ones. (laughs) And then like the top 40 ones, you know, like the golden retriever Labrador. Oh my God, so funny. You're like, that's a Mr. Merchant Furniture from Scandinavia. I was like, oh really? Huh? (laughs) Now you know. I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. So funny. Awesome. Thank you for all of these, and thank you for all the pet pictures. Um, again, if you have anything you want to send in, seriously, anything uh, at this point, really, yeah. uh, just send it into dailybeanspot.com. <laughs> Click on contact. It would be. It would take a shorter amount of time for me to list the stuff that we aren't yeah. taking than yeah. the stuff that we are. So, uh, any uh, any final uh, thoughts before we get out of here on your birthday no just take care like i know you're going to cover that but i just hope everyone's continuing to get vaccinated and you know just it is a positive thing where hopefully there's this light at the end of this tunnel it's dim but it's getting brighter so just hang in there yes absolutely and everybody until tomorrow please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the beans The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye. 
Oh my God, AG, I, so I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans <laughs> with appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, the rain. Like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves. The waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? Was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my god! Uh, the best I, can I, lo I love them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's a little birdhouse point of soul. view. Uh song from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones. Um 